0: Hey people, it's Ben here and welcome back to the podcast. If you're a first-time listener to Revival on the Air today, what you're going to hear today and what you'll hear in the other episodes recorded are amazing things that God is doing in people's lives today. Real miracles with signs following. Today on the podcast, we have Ryan and Brian, the two Englishmen, joining us. Ryan is our guest host and guest interviewer today. And Brian shares his story of not only how he came to know God, but he shares towards the end a couple of really amazing, powerful, healing testimonies of how God intervened in a couple of people's lives. The podcast is a little bit longer today than normal, but make sure you listen to the end because I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed.
1: Enjoy. Thank you, Ben. Um, today, well, I've got a very special person to uh, speak to. Everybody uh, affectionately knows him as Uncle Brian, and uh, he's the last of the true gentlemen around, and uh, he <laughs> he has taught me lots of things, and uh, he also always has a great story to tell, and uh, I could sit and listen to him for hours. I'm not sure the podcast is going to go on for hours, but... Uh, well, hopefully we, we get some good stories from Uncle Brian. So, Uncle Brian, hello and welcome.
2: Thank you, Ryan. I'm uh, very interested in uh, what you're going to ask me today.
1: Oh, I'm glad. I know this uh, te- new technology is a bit uh, different for you, but uh, I'm sure that uh, telling the, telling your story is the same no matter how it's done, whether it's digital or uh, Sitting down here next to each other on the couch and just having a chat.
2: Yes, you're quite right, Dry. And um, I wasn't. I wasn't really a God interested person um, when I was young. Like everyone else in the 1950s, we were taught uh, there was a, a lesson called religious instruction in the primary school and in the high school, which uh, everyone went to. It was. Uh, Part of our education. It wasn't really until uh, Mary and I had been married for seven years, and uh, or six years actually, and we had two children, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And one day she came up to me and she said, "What are we going to teach our children about God?" And I, uh, I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I, st- I was totally s- dumb. I couldn't think of anything to say. I'd never had such a question, such a, a probing question ever asked me, at least of all by my wife, who uh, we, we knew one another very well. We always got on really well, Mary and I. But here she's challenged me today. And, uh, and I said, oh, they'll learn all that at school. And no, they won't. She said, uh, well, I did. I remember making the statement, well, I, I learned it, and then I was, at the same time I was scratching to find anything that I could remember. She said, they, uh, if they were to teach them about religion, they would have to teach them about Islam, about Buddhism, about every other sort. OK, well, I said, when they grow up, they'll, uh, they'll find out for themselves. That was uh, how much I knew about God. I, I did think about things after that. I was very quiet for a long time while I was thinking. Well, what? How could I ever ask that question? Answer that question. I remember on the farm, uh, the next farm to me, I had uh, there was two brothers. Uh, they were both great friends of mine, and uh, and Rodney's father was a lay preacher with the Methodist Church. Uh, Rodney used to uh, to go to uh, the Methodist Church occasionally, but he never ever spoke at length about anything to me. He was just an ordinary an ordinary lad. But uh, the, to bring us up back up to this day in 1984, when Mary asked me the question, she was an ex-Catholic. She'd left the Catholic Church when she was about uh, 16 or 17. Um, but now she had children, she wanted to know. She actually really wanted to know about God. And she went back to the Catholic Church one day and was greatly disillusioned. She tried to tell me about it. Um, she went off to, uh, I think, a uniting church a few a month or two later. And I remember thinking, I don't know what she's looking for because there's obviously nothing to find. You know, there's just people, uh, a different group of people here, a different group of people there. That, that was my understanding of it. But one day... Um, I came in from the lab. I, I used to work seven days. In those days we had two businesses and I had a processing lab, been in the photographic industry all my life. And I came in one Sunday afternoon about six o'clock and, and she looked a bit different and she said to me, I, uh, I did something today. And I said, oh, what was that? And she said, I, I went to this place in uh, Kingswood, the Vogue Theatre... And I said, oh, went to see a movie. No, it's it's a church group, actually. And uh, one of your customers who came to see me on Friday to pay a bill, he told me about his God. And uh, he only spoke for two minutes. I was feeding the kids. It was 6 o'clock tea time and it was all go. But in two minutes, he talked about his God and his eyes sparkled, his face shone... And he told me how he'd had this experience, and he spoke in a different language, and that's a sign from God that uh, you've you've reached him.
1: Wow! And so that two minutes changed a changed her whole perception of of everything.
2: Well, she'd never heard anything like that before, and she was intensely interested. And and she said, after he'd gone, I. Uh, I she went through the, the index cards, found his uh, name, address and phone number and she thought about it all that Friday night and then the Saturday I went off to work again and she rung this number and spoke to his wife and she said, your husband told me about your church and about God and uh, I want you to tell me some more. And and Joan spoke to Mary for about twenty minutes, and then uh, Mary said, "Do you think, do you think I could come to one of your meetings?" And they said, "We will keep seats for you. You can bring the children. There's provision for the children. There's uh, crèche, whatever. We can look after you."
1: Well, because back so, back in uh, the eighty four, the the vogue was. Absolutely jam-packed, and you had to save seats for people.
2: Mm. And uh, so then she she said, and at the end of the meeting, she told me Pastor John spoke about the wise and the foolish. And she said, right at the end of the meeting, she said, I was fascinated because there was all these people with Bibles, never saw that in the Catholic Church, and he talked about things I could understand the story he was talking about the wise and the foolish, and at the very end he said, now, if you're a, a visitor here and you've never been here before, he said, you could stand up and when we're finished, he said, we're about to finish here, he said, and you could walk out of that door at the back and never come back again. And he said, if you were to do that, I would think that that is probably a foolish thing to do, but if you put God to the test, that would be showing some wisdom.
1: Yeah, that's... uh. That's a good challenge, isn't it? It's sort of, <laughs> here it is, it's presented, well, are you going to be wise or foolish? And mm. Mary is, like we said already, is very wise.
2: She stood up straight away and walked straight out to the prayer line and uh, the guy at the front, a big fella, he said, uh, what do you want to pray about? And she said, I-, I don't know, I've never done this before. Right, he put his hand on her shoulder and started to pray and then he, after a few seconds he said, has the cat got your tongue? <laughs> I don't know what to say. Say hallelujah. So she, she struggled with that word and then burst out in the unknown tongue. Wow. Just like that. And uh, she said, I opened my eyes and there's three or four people all around me smiling, looking at me, and they said, you've just received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's yeah. very obvious to us, you've just received the Holy Spirit. And Wow. And uh, and then one of them said, well, it says in the Bible, you know, that once you've done that, you really ought to be baptised. And she said straight away with no hesitation, I'll do whatever you say.
1: Wow. She's like um, the easiest witness that anyone's ever had. Yes. (laughs) She came along, said, all right, I'll do it, and and did it straight away. followed herself up, made the phone call to ask more questions, and she did Mm. it straight away without even thinking twice about it. That's amazing,
2: isn't it? She thought she'd met this man who obviously had something and she just wanted what he had. Uh, she said, I'll never forget his eyes sparkled when he talked about his God. Never seen that in my life, she said. So that was it. That was Mary and uh, she." Uh, I told her then, I said, look, you can do what you like but I'm not coming there, I'm not going to get involved with that. Yeah. And I told her that several times but at the end of about six weeks... I realised that I was married to a completely different woman. And uh, that troubled me because I couldn't understand it. And I I used to lie in bed at night and wonder what on earth they had done. What had these people done to make her different? Wow. Because,
1: I mean, from my observations with you and Mary over the years, that you can get a couple closer, closer, really. You know, you've done so many things together you've had so many journeys together in that 6 weeks what was what was the difference what was the thing that made it
2: she was totally at peace she was completely peaceful completely content um there was no no uh friction or anything like that she was just totally happy peaceful with the kids even the kids were peaceful and i was the only one yeah, that stood yeah.
1: out <laughs> who had troubled you? It it it, it really me. just poked you in the side a lot, did it?
2: So the end result was that I, I I plucked up courage and one day I said to her, "I think I need to come to one of these meetings with you to see to see if it's all right."
1: Yeah,
2: was <laughs> pathetic, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, it was. There's one of those. Oh, yeah, I'll just come and check that everything's okay. My
2: pride was uh, was ruling the roost, and Tuesday night I went along to the Vogue. Uh, First time in my life. Spent a lot of time in churches photographing weddings over the years but never paid much attention. But I stopped dead in my tracks when I went into the foyer of the Vogue. The choruses were being sung and, I mean, everyone in the whole place was singing. It was obvious in the foyer that a lot of people were singing. I'd never heard people sing like that in a church, ever. And I stood there and the hairs on the back of my neck, I'm sure they were standing on end, and she said to me, what's what's wrong? I said, nothing. I was absolutely <laughs> terrified. Yeah. <laughs> terrified, but I w- was.
1: And was your pride still...?
2: I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I just... Uh, uh, they led me into this place, and I couldn't sit on the back row, I was miffed about that. I uh, sat in close to the back as I could, and I... And within about five minutes, I just wanted to squirm under the seat and hope no-one could see me. But the young people, a lot of young people with Bibles open, happy people, singing, being involved, and just, you could tell, I I stared in disbelief. And uh, I don't know what the talk was about, but I do remember a lady stood on the stage, uh, Laurelly Jelly, and uh, for the first time in my life, I heard someone talk about what God had done for them and it was just as if you were reading out the Bible she uh, said that uh, she'd been diagnosed with a lung disorder, a terminal illness which devastated her and uh, on the way home one of the neighbours from her street said uh, what's wrong Loralee and she said I've been told I'm going to die and she broke down and the neighbour said it's all right, Loralee we know who can fix that. And uh, and I was told about receiving the Holy Spirit and that God was working miracles today. And I'm taking this story in. It wasn't out of a book. It wasn't on the TV. It was this live, normal person in front of me and it had a profound effect on me, even today. I remember every word she said. And she went on to she received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues... And she said, and "I felt fantastic and she says, "No all that was uh, twelve years ago, and I've never felt better <laughs> and she walked off the stage and I just stared in disbelief. I thought, my goodness, a yeah. work of God is right before my eyes it's a cra- it's it's amazing,
1: isn't it really you know it's sort of <laughs> it's uh sometimes people say it and they they just say it like it was just, you know, they they stubbed their toe and now it feels better. But to have a terminal illness mm-hmm. and then 12 years later you're still alive and, you know, she lived for a, for another for th- probably 30 years it after was that. was close to
2: 30 years and she died peacefully of old age, uh, full of the Holy Ghost and with a promise of eternal life. But uh, that that one event I could not dismiss and I couldn't pretend it didn't happen um and then began a difficult time for me because I tried to I suppose I tried to make a deal with God that I wanted to if he would do that for me then I I wanted to be able to conduct my own life it doesn't work you've got to put you've got to submit to God or you walk away uh, god invites you into a wonderful uh, place and you either go in under his terms or you just stand outside the door and after 3 months I'd struggled to receive the holy spirit. I remember going out to the prayer line many times at the vogue and I, one night I went out, Sunday night I went out and, and the guy said what would you like? I said look I'm i I'm, I'm trying to receive the holy spirit and nothing's working really and I, I need all the help I can get. And he challenged me that day. He just stared at me and he said, "What do you expect when you come out here?" and I just was lost for words. He said, what do you actually is going to expect if you ask God to receive the Holy Spirit? I said, well, well, nothing's happened. He said, well, nothing will happen until you decide that's what you really want. And we actually didn't have prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. He just laid his hand on me and, and, and asked the Lord to reveal himself to me and to open my ears and my eyes and said, Amen. And I walked back to my seat. And a couple of weeks later, I was in Broken Hill. Uh, I, my business used to go to country areas for a week, and um, I, uh, I opened my suitcase. I'd, I'd set up in the in the shopping centre, and opened my suitcase about six o'clock to get my book out while I was having my tea. And uh, I didn't know a soul in Broken Hill. I just met the centre manager, and that's all I knew. And there Mary had put this this Bible on top of my book and I had my book or I had the Bible. And I picked up my book and then I looked at the Bible and what she put that in there for? And then I put it, put my book down I picked up the Bible. It was a New English version. It was New Testament. And I opened it, Matthew chapter 1, and uh, I started to read it. Yeah. And I just read it and I read Matthew... Uh, and it was like reading a story never done that before in my life and i got to matthew 17 uh the part where jesus uh, his disciples came to him because they couldn't they couldn't heal someone's son yeah and they said why couldn't we do this and uh, this amazing verse he said because of your unbelief if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed and you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into yonder place, it shall be, and nothing will be impossible to you.
0: Mm.
2: Amazing verse. And I, I realized then he was talking to people like me, yeah. who were struggling mm. to work it out. He's explaining to his disciples how God works. And I read it to go, and I was thinking, Wow And suddenly there was all this noise and I looked round in the caravan, And it was me. I was speaking very loudly in an unknown tongue, clear as a bell, loud. And it sunk in and I stopped. I thought, my goodness, it's happened. I wasn't praying. I was simply reading reading. this amazing verse. It is still one of my favourite verses. And that verse has had a profound impact on on me in my 33 years in the Lord. Mm. But there we go. And that was
1: 1985. Five?
2: 1984 That 84. was the first week of July Monday night
1: 1984 Wow So Mary plays the part of a virtuous woman She planted the Bible in there And Amazing! And, uh, it is amazing to, you know, for that gentleman to challenge you. You know, you're coming up for prayer for the Holy Spirit, and he says, "Well, why are you really here?" You know, mm. it's it's sort of, it's almost reminds me of how with I was just reading the story just yesterday of Jesus with the uh, the woman from Canaan, where she asks him for uh, for healing of her daughter, and he he says it's not meet to give. You know the mm. And she said, "But crumbs fall on the on the floor, you know." And he sent her away, and he was rude to her. And she was not going <laughs> to take that as an answer. And she she her daughter was healed that very hour. And he challenged you there, and he and it changed your thinking. It changed your your point of view.
2: Well, I I yes, and I I realized that I couldn't just I was treating it like you know what's for tea. Yeah oh, maybe I won't do this, you know. Uh, you can't do that. And uh, Mary was obviously wanting to receive the Holy Spirit and God gave it to me when he saw fit to give it to me when I was ready to receive it. Yeah, um, Amazing thing. It is amazing. And I think it's it's so common
1: for men to let their pride get in the way and ladies...
2: Uh, they just don't seem to be as proud as us that's right now that that caused quite a big change in my life my my whole thinking was different and that's what happens isn't it the mind of christ uh, just fills your heart with different things different priorities and a totally different affection mary and i of course were Joined together, as the Bible said, those whom God hath joined together, and no man can do, put that asunder. Yeah. And it was it was totally different, uh, and so it has been since that day. But uh, I knew a lot of people. I was involved with lots of people, and uh, um, and my life was different. Mm. I spent less time with those people. Um, I I. I still spend a lot of time with the business, but I loved the house meetings. I yeah. could take a, a Sunday meeting or I could miss it, but the house meetings from the very beginning, I just loved them. Even to this day, I love the house meeting.
1: Yeah, well, they are pretty good. There's a plug for Enfield house meeting. If anyone wants to come and find the best house meeting, then... Uh, we've always got
2: room. We're, we're always us, got,
1: we? We've always got room. We might not have enough chairs, but we've always got room. <laughs> I think we ran out the other night, which was fun. But um, now it's legendary in our parts that uh, we know you as the man with seven children and uh, that's almost biblical uh, proportions there. You know, we almost changed your name to Israel at one point. Um, But one thing that's the story
2: that uh, was it with Sally, who was the one that broke their arm and, Oh, yes, Sally, at uh, the age of 12. Yeah, we got a call from the school. Sally's uh, broken her glasses. I went up to primary school and she said her arm was really sore. I fixed the glasses, I couldn't fix the arm. But uh, when Mum brought her home, she was in great pain and uh, it was obvious that something was seriously wrong with her arm. Mary took her off for an X-ray That would have been about uh, half past four and uh, we had a house meeting that night at our house. That was Friday night and the house meeting had started and uh, Sally and and Mary had come home. Sally had a cast on, she'd broken the scaphoid bone, one of the tricky bones in the wrist. Very complex problem that. Anyway, she went to bed. She was uh, still in pain, but she went to bed. We prayed for her in the house meeting and uh, had this plaster on. Monday she went to school and Tuesday she went to school. Wednesday, when she came home from school, I'll never forget this, she jumped out of the car and she tore up to me and she's waving her arm in the air and she's, says, ''Dad, my arm is been healed. It was healed today.'' And I said, hang on, Sally. I said, hang on. She said, look, the plaster's all loose. It's no good. And she's moving the plaster along, along her arm. There's just her thumb and her fingers sticking out. And, uh, and she insisted that I take the plaster off. And I said, I, I can't do that, Sally. I have to go and get the doctor to take it off. Um, Mary took her up. She rang the hospital. And they said, no, it's got to stay on for six weeks. And she says, well, it's no good. The plaster's all loose it's suddenly become all loose and it's of no use and they said well bring her up and we'll put a new plaster on it that's what they did and uh, sally came home an hour or two later and mary told me the story she said they uh, they took another x-ray of her arm and then they, they sat round this big light box, and they obviously had two x rays. The first one taken four days earlier with a black line, that's a, that's a break. Yeah. And the new x ray, oh, there was no black line. Wow. And then the guy came up to Sally and he looked at her and he said, Are you Sally Coverdale? He said, Yes. Yeah. He said, Where do you live? And gave her a dress. And they walked back and, and they kept staring at them. And then finally the, the the doctor came up and he said, Sally, she went to Paradise Primary School, she had a, a shirt that said Paradise on the front. Sally, he said, you go with your mum and you go back to Paradise. <laughs> 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 and that they brought her home. Yeah, so uh, that was Sally's victory and she, the whole class knew. The next day Sally told them God had healed her arm and the plaster was gone yeah. and, and Sally was in they were in awe of Sally
1: it was it's amazing but i remember you telling us one time that that she didn't have any records for her because she'd never, never been to the doctor no
2: yeah well that was uh, i i took her up to the doctor that friday afternoon to see if we could get um, approval for an x-ray and uh, he said sally what doctor you normally go to and she just looked at me perplexed and i thought Sally's never been to a doctor. I said, How old are you, Sally? She said twelve. You must have been to a doctor, no? I said, actually, doctor, only two children in our family have ever been to a doctor. Uh, he was, he was dumbfounded. So you know, un- unconsciously, God looked after all of us. Yeah. For whatever happened, God looked after it. Um, I know my cousin in England, my nephew in England, he was out here one, one stage. All the kids playing on the back lawn on the trampoline and one of them had bounced off and hit something and there was blood and there was all sorts of things. And Adrian told me the story years later. He said, all I remember is there's a big huddle and there's all this these words and mumbling going on. Yeah. And in two minutes later that little girl got back on the trampoline and I thought... I wonder what they did. <laughs>
1: some some magic. At that
2: stage, he was like me; he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. So those things all began this work on him. Yeah, God works with His people. It, it is it is such a um, a privilege
1: to to raise your family with a God that's real and a God that's alive. On Tuesday night, we uh, made some chili and we had corn chips in the chili and. I don't know how Elizabeth missed it because everybody had the same meal but she didn't realize that the corn chips were in there and she swallowed a bit of her uh food and swallowed a a big large piece of of the um of the corn chip and it got stuck in her throat and she was sort of panicking and with sort of, we had people around and with people talking. And the next minute, you could just hear them just praying in the corner. And Judy and Brandon were praying for her, and everything. Everyone just carried on as normal, and everything was okay. So, it is amazing to have those those things that our first reactions are to just pray about it, move on, and and everything
2: will be okay. Well, it works. Mm-hmm. That that is the thing. I rapidly concluded when I came to the Lord that God works. But I, I do recall one thing in that uh, that first year, that was July when I came along. It would have been uh, probably six months later and uh, I got a phone call one night from uh, a gentleman called John Alexander who I'd known for many, many years. He was a competition marksman that uh, did the state and national titles every year. I was uh, well and truly in that scene and uh, i asked him how he was i "I haven't seen you for a while john he said oh look he said we're not really good he said we've just been to see my brother in hospital he said he was a big strong lad like me he said but now he's just like a skeleton in in a plastic bag i said what's the matter with him he said oh he's he's riddled with cancer Mm -hmm. The priest's given him the last rites three times and he said uh, they've told us now that he can't possibly last the night. And uh, straight away I just said, John, uh, we can pray for him. And he said, oh, yeah, we, we, we've heard that you've gone all religious. We've, uh, you're the talk of the rifle club, you know. Yeah. And I said, it's not about being religious, John. I said, I could introduce you to, to heaps of people who've had amazing things. I could even introduce you to people who were diagnosed as terminally ill and they're alive and well. He said, oh, well, well, whatever. And I said, John, as soon as I put this phone down, I'm going to ring up, I'm going to pray for your brother. And he says, well, well, thanks. And that, the conversation finished. It was quite late. It was about 11 o'clock at night. Most of, the, most of everybody was in bed, I think. I was up. And I put the phone up and I went on my knees and I remember calling out to the Lord and I said, Lord, you show them that your word is true. I said, just as you showed me, you know, you you can do even the impossible and just show them that what I'm telling them is is your word and it's true. You know, I was really poured my heart out to the Lord, but it was quite simple. and uh, And then life goes on, doesn't it? And it was two weeks later... And uh, John rang up. John, I said, uh, oh, how are you going? And he said, oh, look, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, uh, I've been going to ring you up several times since I first spoke to you. He said, but I kept putting it off. He said, but now I have to tell you what's happened. And he said, uh, that night I spoke to you and... um, I told you my brother was going to die that night. He said, we got a phone call in the morning saying, you'd better come in here. Um, and he said, oh, is he dead? And they said, no, he's actually sitting up in bed and he's asking for something to eat. This is a man that's not eaten any solid food for three months. And, uh, he said, we went in there and there he was. He recognised us. He hadn't done that for about six weeks. And, uh... I asked them and I said, how how come he's like this? And they said, we don't know. We've got no idea. It just amazed us. He woke up and sat up. And, uh, well, we, we, we talked to him for a while and uh, and he said, my wife said it's because of their prayers. It's because of their prayers. She was telling me this. Yeah. She was a good Catholic lady, Margaret. Um, and then he said, we got another phone call Two days later, saying, I'm sorry we've got bad news, he's got pneumonia. He's so weak, he couldn't possibly survive this, you know, but he did survive it. Three days later, he'd got over the pneumonia, and he said, and today, Margaret and I have just been in to see him, and the specialists have taken us aside, and they said, look, we don't really know what's happened, but... We've given him blood tests today. There is not a single sign of any cancer cells anywhere in his body.
1: That's crazy. Isn't that it? an amazing thing? It's absolutely, and uh, just uh, just not the him not ringing you up to tell you what happened. It's just it's almost comical, isn't it?
2: Just. It was a sequence of events, and it was it was obviously God had ordained all this was going to happen. Uh, but uh, it, it was an amazing thing, and then I spoke at length to them, um, and John said, well, they're uh, they're so busy doing tests and getting specialists in from other states to look at this man. In fact, the Adelaide Advertiser did an article on him, uh, The Miracle Man of the Royal Adelaide, it was called, and there's a oh, really? picture in the paper uh, showing 40 doctors... And specialists round his bed. This is a half-page picture in the Adelaide Advertiser. I should try and find that, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should. Um, but interesting, enough, John's wife, uh, Margaret. She came round uh, a couple of weeks after that, and uh, she said uh, to her, I said, "Hello." That's a surprise visit. She said, "Look, I didn't. I didn't come to talk. I want to know about how it works." <laughs> and, It's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. How many people ask you that in your life?
1: No, not many, not many.
2: And we sat down, Mary and I sat down there next to the uh, rose bushes, and we just told her very simply and showed her a few scriptures and said, we just did what you've just read. Yeah. Um, and I said, and God does the rest. Well, she came along the following Sunday and got baptised and uh, received the Holy Spirit, um... The gentleman that was healed, his name was Don, two brothers, John... And Don. And Don. Don was the gentleman that... uh, uh, He was in hospital for about six or seven weeks, building up his strength. And, of course, they didn't want to let him go because they wanted to monitor him. But um, I went to see him. John said, oh, he knows you're going to come. Just tell him your name's Brian and tell him you're the one that prayed for him. I went round to see him... And he answered the door and I said, ''Are you Don Alexander?'' And he said, ''Your bride, aren't you?'' (laughs) I said, ''Yes.'' ''Yes.'' And he said, ''Yeah, I I know what you've come for.'' I got an interesting response from Don. And he said, ''Oh, it wasn't just you that were praying for me, you know.'' I said, ''Oh, well, well, many hands make light work then, don't they?'' And he said, ''Oh, the little Sisters of Mercy were praying Uh for me.'' And I just stared at him.
1: Thought, yeah.
2: at, the, at the same moment, I thought, "Well, your wife has turned her back on the Catholic Church because of this miracle." And I said, "Don, they—they they gave you the last rites three times." I said, "My wife's an ex-Catholic. I know what the last rites are." The priest comes and asks God to take you. Then I ask my God to raise you up. Now you work out for yourself. Who's God answered? Yeah. And he just said Oh look, he said, oh, obviously I'm really thankful for what you did. He said, but uh, don't don't expect me to come along to be a church a churchgoer and I said, I don't expect anything of you, Don. I said I just want you to remember I said, I'm quite happy to leave a little leaflet about healing. Um, I think he took it. It would be silly not to do. Mm. But I never saw him again. But that that event, if you like, that case, has shaped my life since.
1: Yeah, it's great. We will close off now, but uh, there is many more things that I'd like to ask you, and many more things I'd like to go through. But um, you have a favourite scripture that you want to leave us with?
2: It has to be the one that I read while I received the Holy Spirit, Matthew uh, seventeen here and verse twenty. And Jesus said unto them, and in fact he says to anyone that's listening, because of your unbelief, that's why they couldn't uh, heal this young man, because of your unbelief, verily or truly I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you.
1: Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Mm -hmm. Amazing concept. Thank you very much for your time, Uncle Brian. It's been a pleasure hearing your story. Um, If you want to come and listen to Uncle Brian's story, then just uh, book an appointment and come and have a coffee with him and and Mary and it will be the best thing you do for a long time. Well, thank you very much for listening and uh, goodbye.
0: Well, that's the wrap. What a fantastic testimony. Thanks to Brian for sharing that. Ryan and I sat there for another 45 minutes or so listening to other amazing stories that he had to tell of what God has done in people's lives. I might even ask Brian to see if he'll come back for a part two maybe later on in our podcast series. Make sure you don't miss any of our episodes by subscribing. You can do that on your various podcast apps that are available, things like iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and on the Podbean app. Or you can go to www.revivalontheairtoday.com. Until next time, God bless.